Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 68 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to pray, Lord, examine our heart. We all want to be used mightily by God. We all want to be effectual and fruitful for the kingdom. But in order to do so, according to Paul, we have to walk worthy of the vocation of which we have been called. We want to continually grow. We want to be pruned. We want to be cultivated into a tree that is planted deep by the water and producing good fruits. But in order to do that, we have to first humble ourselves, come before the Lord God Almighty and ask him to shine his light on every corner of our life and show us those things that need to be cut away, that need to be pruned. But because from an agricultural standpoint, my friend, I can assure you that there is nothing that you can add to the tree. There is no fertilizer. There is no tool. There is nothing that you can add to a tree that will produce fruitfulness like pruning will. And in this, we can see that many times it's not something that we need to attain that will make us more fruitful for the kingdom, but often it's something that we need to cut away. You know, the Lord had showed me one time during our intercessory prayer and worship, the lights were turned low and there were some candles burning and the fire in this candle kept going down very, very dim. And I saw the candle and I thought that the fire had gone out. So I went to relight it. But when I got close, I realized that it wasn't out. It was just very, very dim because it was being smothered by the wax. The wax had melted and it was pooling around the wick so that the fire couldn't properly burn so that it was beginning to smother the fire out. And so I poured off the excess wax and I took a knife and I began to cut away some of that wax. There was too much. And I set it back and the fire burned bright and it burned hot. And in that, the Lord began to show me. He said, you see, everything that was needed for the fire to burn was already there. You didn't have to add anything to it. You needed to take something away from it. You see, the candle is like us. We're that three-part being. We're the body. That's like the wax, the flesh, the physical part. And then there's that wick in the middle. That's like the soul, our mind, our will, and our emotion. And then we have a spirit. That's the fire. Everything working together in proper balance produced the light that lit up that dark room. But just like that candle, sometimes we've got a little too much flesh and it just keeps smothering out the fire. So today we want to examine what needs to be cut away and I'm going to give it to you very simply and very plainly so that by the time we start praying you will know what it is that you need to ask the Lord to begin to cultivate in your life that he might make you a bright light, a signet on a hill that cannot be hid. And I encourage you my friend that you take yourself back to this place regularly because we all go through things. And the enemy, he plants seeds and we need to continually come to that place where we are willing to get down on our knees, humble ourselves before the Lord God Almighty and say, Lord, search my heart and see 
if there be any wicked way in me, as David did in Psalms 139, verse 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. David was saying, God, I want to stay on the straight and narrow. I want to be on the right path. I don't want to get off track. So I'm willing to humble myself before you and say, Lord, search me. Test my thoughts. Test my heart. Try my character and show me if there's anything that needs to be pruned. Paul said that those of us who are of Christ, we still have a circumcision, but ours is internal instead of external. He said that we need to have a circumcision of the heart. We still have to have that flesh cut away, just like I had to cut away the wax from that candle in order for the fire to burn bright. We've got to be willing to allow God to cut the flesh away from our thoughts and our heart and our feelings and our emotion and our logic. We've got to let him cut away all of those things that smother out the fire. But how do we do that? How do we recognize exactly what those things are? My friend, today, I'm not going to teach you. I'm not going to try to convince you. Today, I'm going to take you directly to Jesus. Because in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, Jesus gives us one of the most powerful sermons in all of scripture. And we can read the words of Jesus directly and remembering that Jesus said that he didn't say anything except that God told him first and every word that came out of his mouth was a word straight from the father. So when we read Jesus's words here, we know that these are the words, the instruction and the very heart of God. So if you want to sit down and get a sermon straight from God. Here's your chance because we are going to read Jesus's words and he will make it so clear that if we are willing to humble ourselves to them, we will leave here walking in newness, in revelation, in direction, in understanding. Jesus said, enter ye in at the straight gate. This, my friend, I believe is the path that David was talking about when he prayed, God, search me, search my heart. Because I want to be led in the way or the path everlasting. I believe it is this path that Jesus is now talking to us about. He says, enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go therein. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. My friend. Do we really comprehend what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is actually telling us in this passage that most people who think that they are on their way to heaven are actually walking straight into damnation. He says, narrow is the gate that leads to life and few are they that find it. He said, because it's not easy, because it is narrow, because there is one way, the way. Jesus, the truth and the life and to walk in his truth will get you to life everlasting. But most people will walk the the wide road, the broad road, the easy road, the road that feeds their flesh, the road that doesn't take any circumcision of the heart, the road that doesn't require you to go through any pruning, any searching, any humbling, any pressing, any waiting any 
obeying. But Jesus does not want us to be deceived. He lays it so clearly before us. He says, narrow is the gate. It's straight. It's very straightforward. It's right here in the word. We just have to choose to read, believe, and obey. And we will find that way that David was asking God to lead him in. God, lead us in the way everlasting. Get us to that straight gate in Jesus' name. However, Jesus follows this statement with a warning. He says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Why did Jesus say this immediately after telling us about the two gates? Because Jesus in his mercy and in his love wants you to know that many will come as wolves in sheep's clothing, professing to be ministers, professing to be Christians, professing to be prophets. But they will say things and do things that will make you comfortable on the wide road. They will look on the outside to be right. And it will be very hard to discern. But God wants us to learn how to know who is truly of him, and who is a counterfeit. Because the false prophet will get you walking on the wide path. Remember, these people think that they are going to heaven. They have been deceived. But only a few, those on the narrow path. And my friend, I want it to be you. I want you to make it in. Because you see, we are all gatekeepers in one form or another. There is a gate on the narrow road and there is a gate on the wide road. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction and narrow is the gate that leads to life. The true men and women of God that are speaking the truth of his word as Jesus spoke the truth of the father's word. They are leading you down that narrow path to the right gate. They are opening up the gates of heaven to you. But there are those, those false prophets, those wolves in sheep's clothing. They look the part, but my friend, they are opening the wrong gate and they are pointing you straight into hell. And many are marching full on in it. In fact, most, according to Jesus, who think they are saved or actually actually not. They are actually on the wide road, which means that most ministers are actually false prophets because most are leading people down that path saying it's easy. It pleases your flesh. There's no cultivating. There's no humble submission and obeying. Jesus says, I don't want this to happen to you. I want you to be counted among the few. So beware of the many. And to this, Jesus gives us clear instructions on how we can know the truth. He says, ye shall know them by their fruits. And so today we've got some examining to do. Jesus said, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Understanding the play on words here, we have to remember that from the beginning, before there was sin, there was no thorns or thistles in the earth, in the garden of Eden. But because of sin, these things came in, the thorns and the thistles. And so Jesus is saying, if there is a root of sin within, corruption within, can you truly gather anything that is actually righteous or pure or of the Lord from it, can a thorn, can sin, can unrighteousness produce righteousness? This is why it was a crown of thorns that were placed upon his head and pressed in when he bore the burden of our sin. Thorns from the beginning have always represented sin and corruption and the pain and the burden and the destruction that it brings. 
on a once fruitful garden. So do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit, every tree that brings not forth good fruit, every tree that does not bring forth good fruit, is cut down and cast into the fire. What is the fire? This is hell fire. If a tree does not bear good fruit, it will be cast into hell fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. We've got to examine our hearts today. We've got to examine those that we've been following. We've got to start examining the fruits. We've got to start examining those that we let lead others, that we put in position in our ministries. We've got to start examining the fruits of those who we hand over our children to. What are the fruits? Because Jesus said, by their fruits, we shall know them. And he continues with this. Not everyone who saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it doesn't matter if we profess him as Lord. Because he said that there are many who honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, it's not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. Many shall say to me on that day, many. My friend, I want you to understand with all clarity that this is the very same many that he said earlier were on the wide road. Remember, narrow and straight and difficult is the road that leads to life and few are they that are on it. But the many, the many, they are on the wide road, the easy road, the road that they were led to by the false prophets. The wolves in sheep's clothing who looked the part but did not have the heart. They didn't bear the fruit. Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit. And if you're not willing to examine the fruit, then you will be counted among this many. He says this many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have even cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. In other words, we moved in gifts, we had anointings, we had talents, we had skills, we had works, we had charisma, we had great material blessings, and we did it all in your name. But Jesus said, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. You were never mine. You were deceived. You were on the wide road following that false prophet, that wolf in sheep's clothing. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, my friend, they could not enter in because they did not do the will of the Father. They continued in sin and in iniquity. They didn't get in alignment with the word and will of God. My friend, I don't care what kind of anointing you think somebody has. I don't care what kind of manifestation I don't care what kind of blessings you hear them brag about. I don't care what kind of giftings they use to confuse and confound and convince you. If they don't have the fruit, the peaceable fruit of righteousness, as it is referred to in Hebrews chapter 12, 
when Paul says that sometimes you've just got to humble yourself and let God correct you and direct you as a good father does to his children because that even in the moment if it is unpleasant it is to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness in you because my friend God's job is not to make you happy his job is to make you holy so that you can live and rule and reign with him forever in eternity and so that you can rightly represent him here now to do the work of the kingdom but if we do not come into alignment with his word, because you see that word iniquity, he said, you that work iniquity, that word iniquity is lawlessness, working outside of the law. In other words, not obeying what God had to say. That's why Jesus said just a few breaths before that it's not those who call me Lord, but those who do the will of my father that will enter in. Again, this is why Jesus said, don't look at the outward appearance, judge from within, look at the fruits. What is their life producing? Is it producing righteousness, alignment, right standing with the word of God? The word is our discernment. We can use this to judge the wolves in sheep's clothing, but we can also use it to examine our own hearts. We're going to shine some light on our hearts today, friend, on all of our ministers and our leaders and our friends, not to be judgmental, but so that we can rightly understand the path that we have been walking to make sure we're on the right one and to make sure that we're following those who are leading us down the narrow and not the wide. Jesus saw fit to tell us this. There's a need. We need to read, hear, and believe. Lord, give us ears to hear today what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. Give us eyes to see it and understand it and comprehend it and grab hold of it and carry it. That it might be discernment to us and conviction and correction and direction. That it might cause our feet to walk with perfection on that path everlasting. Search our hearts, O God. Jesus said, depart from me, you that work iniquity, walking in lawlessness, which is unrighteousness, out of alignment with what God says is right. He says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, I hear it far too often when someone will go and listen to a minister and they will tell me, yeah, what they preached didn't line up with scripture, but they were so anointed. My friend, it cannot be so unless it is an unholy. Jesus said that if we believe his words, if we believe what is in his word, no matter what somebody says, no matter how many false prophets come and fluff your flesh, no matter how they work your emotions or move in counterfeit manifestations, 
emotions. No matter how much they prophylied to you, telling you what you want to hear, just because they knew something about you doesn't mean that it came from the Spirit of the Lord. The devil knows things about you too. He's been watching you since you were born. If it doesn't line up with what Jesus said, then you are building on sand and it will not stand. But if we are willing to humble ourselves, to trust in the Lord and not follow the leading of our own deceitful heart, which tells us what we want to hear and sets our eyes on compromise and material blessings and vain lessons and things that will lead us down the wide path with the many to destruction. If we are willing to listen and believe the word of God, no matter how it prunes us, cuts us, circumcises our heart, it will cultivate us into producing the peaceable fruits of righteousness that are pleasing to the Lord and will ensure that we are on the straight and narrow. My friend, according to the Bible, that which we will be judged by, that which keeps us on that straight and narrow, that we might be found among the few. I want it to be you, my friend. This may not be a popular message. Jesus said it wouldn't be. It may not be what you hear in most churches. Jesus said it wouldn't be. It may not be what your flesh wants to believe. Jesus said it wouldn't be. This is why the many, but I want you to be counted among the few who know the truth. The word of God never says that you can use gifts as an evidence. Jesus said only the fruit will prove what root the tree is drawing from. And to this, it says that they were astonished at his doctrine. I think that many in the church today would be astonished at the doctrine of Jesus Christ too, because that they've been hearing another gospel that endorses another Jesus, but not the one that came to free us. My friend, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is his sermon. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul gives us the very gifts of the Spirit, he follows it up in chapter 13 by telling us that anyone who has any of these gifts without the fruit, they are nothing. Paul made it very clear that we are not to judge whether a person is of the Lord or not by their gifts because Jesus said that many false prophets will go out into the world and that many will stand before him on this day saying that they had gifts and they had works but he will say you were never mine and you're not getting into the kingdom you were still working iniquity you weren't doing the will of the father you weren't producing the peaceable fruits of righteousness you weren't in alignment with the word of God so today we've got to get it in our heart that if there are gifts without fruit then it's counterfeit and that's the end of it because I am so tired of seeing people deceived and led astray and pulled off of the straight way and put on the wide way by all of these wolves in sheep's clothing that are telling the people that it's okay not to obey. 
what the Bible has to say. They're telling them what their flesh wants to hear and the people are believing it and saying, well, it must be from God because they have these gifts or they believe it because they say they have this mighty anointing. They gave me the chill bumps. They pleased my flesh. They made my ego come alive. They said what I wanted to hear and it made me excited. They moved in this unholy anointing, this charisma. But at the same time, these people will confess to me that what they preached did not line up with what Jesus had to say. It's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. My friend, we've got to examine our own heart in this. And we've got to start examining those that we allow to lead because they are leading many down the wide road, we are opening the wrong gates to the people. When we put these people in positions of authority, when we allow them to mislead our families, we've got to learn how to rightly discern the word of truth. If what they preach or live or demonstrate does not line up with the word of God, they are leading you to the wide gate. God does not bless unfruitfulness. I don't care if they have a million dollar home. It didn't come from the Lord. God does not bless unfruitfulness. I don't care if they move in signs and wonders. So does the spirit of Antichrist. God does not bless unfruitfulness. I don't care if they have great skill and talent and can sing like they belong on Broadway. What does their life say? God does not bless unfruitfulness. I don't care if they've got charisma and people like to hear them and they can draw the crowd. The devil can counterfeit all of it. The only thing he cannot counterfeit is righteousness. Therefore, judge them by their fruits because God does not bless unfruitfulness and unrighteousness and lawlessness and wickedness. His hand will not be on this. Gifts are not an evidence that God is with them. It can be counterfeited. Works are not an evidence. They can be counterfeited. Material blessings are not an evidence of the favor of God. In fact, according to scripture, the devil blesses, deceives, and misleads. My friend, be cautious of the wolves in sheep clothing. Skill is not an evidence of the Holy Spirit. We've got to stop worshiping worship teams because of talent and ability when there is no holy yoke breaking anointing and their lives are not producing the fruits of righteousness. We have got to stop throwing sheepskin over the culture and calling it anointing. It is not. Examine the heart. What are the fruits? Tools are not an evidence. God doesn't need tools. In fact, every revival in history began by people who got on their knees until the king of glory stepped in and they did it with nothing. The haystack revival was birthed in a haystack. Azusa Street was birthed in a house meeting. The day of Pentecost was birthed in an upper room. True revival can't be planned or programmed. And it surely will not be ushered in by the culture wrapped up in sheepskin. You've got to contend for it on your knees.
if the Holy Spirit, which is a holy root, is planted in you, you will produce holy fruit, the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Oh Lord, remind us daily to examine our hearts and the hearts of those that we are following, that we might be assured that they are yours and that they are going to open the right gate before us. The ministers that stand before the congregation are gatekeepers. They are opening a gate. Rather, it's gates over individual lives, gates over churches, gates over communities, or gates over nations. The ministers that are standing before the congregation are opening gates. My friend, we've got to do what Jesus said to make sure that they're opening the right gates. Because there is a wide gate that leads to destruction and most of them will open it. But there are a few, there are only a few that will lead you down the straight and narrow to the right gate. And Jesus said that we will know them by their fruits. Peaceable fruits of righteousness, being in right standing with the word of God. This is why Jesus said, this is why Jesus said to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the peaceable fruits of righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Are gifts bad? No. God wants us to have gifts. He came to give us gifts. Does he want us to produce good works? Of course he does. He says that he wants a people that are zealous of good works. Does he want to bless us? But we've got to produce fruits before gifts. Because if we have any of these things without fruit, then it's proof that it is a counterfeit and not the truth. It's not the real thing. And the real thing, my friend, is so much more powerful. It is the greater things because the enemy's counterfeits are limited. We remember that when God sent Moses before Egypt, there were magicians that could counterfeit the works of God, but the magicians were limited. And there came a point at which their tricks and counterfeits were maxed out, but God's continued to pour out until the greater things manifested. And when they did in this, did even they have to confess that Moses's God was the true God. And this is what this nation needs. They've seen too much of the counterfeit. They've seen too much of the Janus and Jambers. They've seen too much of the limited. They need to see the real thing, the greater things, the things of God. But God can only commit these things into the hands of those who have his heart and are walking in the peaceable fruits of righteousness. This is why Paul said in Philippians 4:17, when he said, not because I desire gifts, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account because souls are brought into the kingdom when the power of God is manifested and overpowers the counterfeits that are misleading them. God, we want to see the greater things. So search our heart, examine us, Lord, and see what needs to be cut away so that you can trust us with the greater things. We need to commit today to focus on letting the Lord cultivate the fruits in us. And when the fruits are cultivated, then the true gifts, the true anointings, and the true blessings will flow by proxy. My friend, he wants to pour them out, but he needs to be able to trust you with them.
You see, the gifts and the callings and the blessings, they're already within you. That's why whenever Paul laid hands on Timothy, he, he said, stir up the gifts that are within you. The gifts are already within you. But just like that candle, there's too much flesh there that's smothering it out. God can't allow it to pour out in the way that it ought to because it will not rightly represent him until we are producing the fruits of righteousness if you will focus on cultivating the fruits i assure you the signs the wonders and the miracles will follow you because if you cultivate the fruits it's proof that you have truly believed what jesus had to say and you did it his way therefore will signs wonders and miracles follow those who believe do you believe today do you believe jesus do you believe the sermon that he left us what he had to say because he said at the end of it that if you are willing to believe him you will build your house upon a rock you build it upon sand and it will not stand so god we ask that you make it clear simple and true that you just show us today exactly what are the fruits I want you to get your Bible and I want you to open to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 because you need to highlight this and underline this and you need to come back to this regularly. Because the Bible leaves no room for doubt. It lays it out. These are the fruits. In Galatians 5 22 it says, but the fruits of the Spirit are this. These are the fruits that will be produced if the Holy Spirit lives within us. If there's a holy root, there will be holy fruit. And this is what it will manifest. It says the fruits of the Spirit or love. The very first one is love because it is the greatest commandment. And Jesus said that if we have love, then all the rest will manifest from it. Therefore, must we walk in selfless, sacrificial, perfect Love. That's love for God first and foremost and love for others second. So for example, if a person is not willing in love to lead you to repentance, to leave your sin behind, they don't really love you because God said that if you are not willing to correct your children, you don't really love them. And this applies to ministers, our spiritual children. If we truly love them, we will not allow them to stay on the wide road, but we will direct them, correct them and lead them to the narrow road to repentance, to turning away from sin and walking in alignment with the word of God. This is one of the manifestations of love. And if a person does not have this they do not have fruit therefore no matter what they are telling you no matter what blessings or tools or skills or talents or gifts or manifestations they are walking in they are wolves in sheep's clothing because they do not have the fruit if they are not willing to sacrifice to minister to the least of these if they are not loving to those of their own family then you need to flee from them because what is within is not the Holy Spirit. The next one is joy. Because if you truly love God and love others, you will walk in joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And of course, joy is not indicative of always being happy, but it's indicative of being okay in every situation. Because our joy is in the Lord, He gives us strength that when we go through situations that are not pleasant, We still have peace in his presence. We may not always be happy, but we will still carry the joy of the Lord because we are assured that we are pressing forward to a better day. We stand in faith that God will work all things together for our good so that we can have great joy. And of course, if you have love and joy, then it will produce the next fruit, which is 
peace, we will have great peace because that our hearts and our minds are set on him and him alone. And we will have faith in his power to get us through to what he promised to. We will have peace. If a person does not walk in great peace, then it is proof that they are drawing from another root. I do not understand, my friend, how often I hear ministers talking about depression. If you are plagued by a spirit of oppression or depression, then it is the fruit that you are being led of another spirit. You're drawing from another root. Now, am I saying that we will never have hardship or trial? No, of course not. But the Lord has overcome and we ought to be able to stand in authority. And if we truly have the fruit of the spirit, then we should have peace. And so in this, we have to examine our own heart and say, Lord, there's something not right here. Maybe I am not in alignment with your word. My friend, there is deliverance. There is freedom. There is authority. There is power. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us, then it is able to mortify our lust and every deed of the flesh and every enemy that rises against it. Because when the sun sets free is free indeed. We need to walk in faith, in power, and in authority. Fall down on your knees, repent of your sin, come into alignment with the word of God, pray for the Holy Spirit to come in and stand in authority against that enemy because he has made you free. You are a son and daughter of the king and you do not have to allow that enemy to rule over you. My friend, it is proof of the wrong root. Long suffering or patience or the ability or willingness to sacrifice and suffer long that we might see men brought to salvation. We covered this in the message that we did on sacrifice, but it is a fruit of the spirit. And if you see someone who is not willing to suffer with patience and sacrifice for the sake of Jesus Christ, they do not have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit. Spirit will lead you into wildernesses to prove and to test and to strengthen and to branch out that faith and to prune and to cultivate. And the only way he can truly do that is if you are patient and long suffering. Now, of course, when we first come to Jesus, we are not going to walk perfectly in all of these fruits. God gives every tree a season to grow, to produce those fruits. But my friend, if there's someone who is leading you, then they need to have this fruit or they need to sit down until they're able to produce it because Jesus said that if they do not have this fruit, then they are wolves in sheep's clothing and they were never sent of him to lead men gentleness. This is a kindness, a willingness to tend to the needs of the least of these, those who were kind to the elderly, the infant, the children, the animals, those who have a gentleness about them. Though they may be bold as a lion against the enemy, they walk humbly before men and are willing to get down on their knees and put their hands in the dirt and help do the work of the kingdom. To lead by example, goodness, doing what is good, what is right, walking in right standing, making the right decisions, faith. My friend, it astonishes me how many within the church and even the leadership walk in unbelief. If they do not have faith, my friend, they should not lead. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Because without faith, it is impossible to please. And faith is a fruit 
of the Spirit. It's proof of His indwelling, that we are led by Him. Meekness, humility. My friend, this is something that is severely lacking in the church today. And I assure you as clearly as the Bible can say that if a person does not walk in humility, they do not have the fruits of the spirit. They are a wolf in sheep's clothing. Humility does not have a $4 million home. I'm sorry, my friend, that does not line up with the word of God. Humility does not boast of wealth or self or provoke men's hearts to envy and covet and desire vainglory. Humility leads by example. Humility doesn't look for the flash or the platform or the pomp or the attention. Humility serves. Humility loves. Humility sacrifices. Humility suffers. Humility leads by example. Temperance, maintaining control of your temper or more generally your emotions. A person who is led of the spirit will have control over their emotions because your emotions are part of your soul and it is influenced by the enemy. But we are not led by the flesh or the enemy. We are led by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, do we have control over our emotions? The Bible says a double-minded. And that word mind, if you look it up in the original text, it means a double spirit. And in other words, the man listening to more than one spirit is unstable in all of his ways. Think not that the Lord will do anything for this man. In other words, if you're listen if you're hearing the Holy Spirit but you're also listening to another spirit, it makes you double-minded, you're wishy-washy, you are not in control of your thoughts, your logic, your soul, your will, your emotions. You're not allowing it to be led of the Holy Spirit, but you're moving by all the different things that you are feeling and hearing. You're double-minded and the Bible says God will do nothing for him. He's still waiting for you to be obedient, to move in faith, to be led by his spirit. And it concludes by saying that if you have these against them, there is no law. Because if you move by them, then you are walking in righteousness, obedience, and the curse of the law is not upon you. You are free from it. And so we've got to come to this passage regularly and look at each one of them and say, God, are these fruits present in me? And if not, we've got to cry out for him to plant them and cultivate them and produce them in us. We've got to ask ourselves, do they apply from us towards God? Do we love him? Are we joyful towards him? Are we peaceful? Are we long-suffering in our faithfulness to him? Are we gentle? Are we good? Are we walking in righteousness? Do we have faith? Are we humble towards him? And do we keep our emotions in check towards God? And I think that in most areas in that we can say that, yeah, I think we do that. Now, here's the question. Do we do it towards others? Are we loving towards everyone else? Are we joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, gentle? Do we do what's right, have faith, walk in humility and meekness towards and control our emotions when dealing with others. Here's a good check. What about your spouse? Because many times they can pull it out of you quicker than anyone. Do we really love them like we're supposed to? Are we keeping our emotions in check towards them? Are we humble towards them? Do we have faith in them? Are we walking in 
goodness and gentleness, long-suffering, patience, peace, joy with them. And I use that as an example because the Bible says that iron sharpeneth iron and that sharpening comes by a very abrasive action. And sometimes the people within our lives God is using to point out to us that we are not actually producing fruit in these areas like we think we are. Because I heard a pastor say one time and I had to chuckle that God doesn't give you a spouse to make you happy. He gives you a spouse to kill your flesh. And that is true. And in case that's not enough, he then gives you children to finish the job. He's trying to make us not be selfish. Don't get frustrated when things come into our life or people or circumstances or situations that begin to expose to us that there is an area that needs to be pruned more so that the fire of God can burn bright so that we can produce more fruit in that area on that branch. Maybe we've not been patient with someone and God is trying to tell you there's some cultivating that needs to be done because I have a lot I want to pour out on you daughter son but until this is dealt with I can't trust you with the greater things that I have planned for you maybe there's an area where we need to move in more humility or more faith or more gentleness Lord examine our hearts show us reveal it to us today We don't have to pray with eloquence of speech. We just have to get down on our knees and say, God, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. I want to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness and I will humble myself to you as you begin to correct me and direct me because I want to be used for your glory. The passage continues to say that we ought to produce these fruits because they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and the lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Anything that we do or that we are led to do by the wolves in sheep's clothing that might provoke us to envy, to desire after earthly things, to be seen, to vain glory. It is nothing but thorns that are meant to choke out the fruitfulness of your tree. Because remember, my friend, in the beginning when Jesus said, can thorns, which are sin, produce good fruit? No, it cannot. And you'll remember that he mentions this again in the parable of the sower when he talks about that tree, that seed of truth that had been planted, the word of God had been planted and it grew up and it began to produce these fruits because that we had believed the word. We had began to build that house upon the rock. We understood what the Bible said and we began to produce those mighty fruits. But then thorns began to come up. And choke out the fruitfulness of that tree. And what did it say those thorns were? That they were the deceitfulness of riches. And the desires and the cares of this world. It was the message brought forth by the wolves in sheep's clothing. Meant to lead you off the narrow and onto the wide. It choked out the fruitfulness of that once fruitful tree. It led them down the wrong path. It opened the wrong gate. They preached the wrong message. They planted the wrong seed. They caused them to believe a word 
that was out of alignment, out of right standing with the word of God. It was unrighteous fruit planted by an unrighteous seed, by a wolf in sheep's clothing, set before the people, and they believed. God, give us eyes to see. Lord, I pray for a gift of discernment. I pray that the blinders be removed off of everyone's eyes, and I pray that they all pray in agreement with me. Lord, take the blinders off. Cause me to see. Give me a discerning heart to know and to believe your word, to say that this is your sermon, God. This is what you said. We've got to decide if we are truly believers. God, we need a church that believes again, that believes in you, not in a God of their own making, not in one that is breaking the very second commandment of the Ten Commandments and creating a God of their own making. God, we got to believe you. I serve the God of the Bible, the God of truth that I might be sent forth and that my doctrine might have authority and power that they might be astonished because that it is not my own but it is of the Father. God, we come into agreement, into alignment, into right standing with your word today and we say search our hearts, Lord. Point out to us the areas of unfruitfulness that we might pray and have you cultivated and allow you to cut away the flesh that is smothering out the fire. And God, I pray that you cause us to see it in those who are put before us, in those who are leading. And God, that we would never position people over your congregation that are not producing the peaceable fruits of righteousness because you said this is the evidence and it's what we must examine. Teach us to examine. Jesus, you said that you do not judge in and of yourself, but the word of God judges. And on that day, that word will judge us because it will determine whether or not we really believe what God had to say. And so that it also says in the scripture that we are to judge righteous judgments. In other words, not what we think is right, but what your word says is right. And then it says, do you not know that the righteous will be made judges over angels? How much more than they ought to be able to judge in these simple things of the earth? Lord, we need to be able to judge with righteous judgment. That doesn't mean that we cast our own judgment, but that means that we look at the word of God and we examine the fruit because that's what you told us to do in our own hearts, in our own lives first. And then in those in which we follow, that we not be led down that wide path. That we not be led by those who are opening the wrong gate to us and our family and our territory. In the name of Jesus, we come against those wrong gates, those false prophets, those that are leading people down that wide path. In the name of Jesus, we pray exposure. I pray that the eyes of our understanding be opened and that we see the truth for what it is and that we not be deceived by sheepskin thrown over the culture so that the enemy, that the priest of Baal and of Jezebel and of hell have entered in to the congregation and are leading men to damnation. But God, raise up a people who will walk the straight and narrow, who will read your word, believe your word, preach your word and be your word and demonstrate the power and authority of one who has built his house upon the rock, who has believed and bent the knee and allowed you to produce the fruits of righteousness within them. 
My friend, if you will go just a few verses up in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, you will see what are the bad fruits that Jesus warned about when it says that the works of the flesh are manifested in these. Adultery. I don't care what title they have or how much charisma. I don't care how much we profess the name of Jesus Christ if we are living in adultery. It is proof that we are drawing from the wrong root. The Holy Spirit does not reside in you. It's time to repent, call out, turn away from your sin, walk away from your iniquity, your lawlessness, and do the will of the Father. Ask to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit in and follow his leading. Fornication. Any relation outside of marriage between one man and one woman, uncleanness, which is impure motives or walking in immorality, lasciviousness, which is unbridled lust or an excuse to continue in sin. Remembering that Paul said that there are those among you who will turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, there are those who will tell you that you don't have to abstain from sin, grace covers it. This is a fruit that a person is being led by another spirit. It is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Idolatry, which is someone who puts anything in their life before God and obedience to him. Witchcraft, which can stem from the obvious all the way to the use of drugs. Hatred, my friend, you cannot speak or preach hatred against your brother, against anyone, and claim to be led of the Holy Spirit. We must speak against sin. That is an assurance. And we can get mad at the enemy that is misleading men. That is a necessity. But in the end, we've still got to love the people and be willing to pray for them and bless them. And fight for them that we might win them for the kingdom. Variance, which is contention or strife or debating. That person that just loves to cause a fight, to cause a problem. It is a manifestation of the fruits of the flesh. Emulation. My friend, this is one that we've got to be cautious of because it is a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Like Paul said that he bore witness that they had a zeal, but not according to knowledge. That instead of humbling themselves to God's righteousness or what God said is right, they went about trying to create their own righteousness, trying to do what they thought thought was right. They were running around on impulse. And this is an evidence of the flesh that you are not being led of the Holy Spirit, which moves in temperance. One who is not led by impulse or emotion, but by the word that they have heard from the Holy Spirit. Wrath. We do not hold wrath. If a person cannot let go of their wrath, then they are being led of another spirit. Strife, sedition, which is division. Those that cause division. One of the seven things that God hates of, and in fact is the seventh, which is in abomination. He who sows discord or division among the brethren. This is an evidence that they are not being led of the Holy Spirit. Heresies, 
believing, teaching, or preaching anything that does not line up with the word of God and causing division and contention by doing so is a fruit that is produced from an unholy root. Envyings. Anyone who desires that which God has not already given them. And if they preach and provoke men to walk therein, because it is sin, it is making men to envy. It is leading men into envying, therefore pulling them onto the wide road, opening the wrong gate. My friend, it plants the wrong seed. That is the seed, the thorn that is planted that chokes out the fruitful tree. Be weary. Do not allow these men or women to lead or they will lead you straight to hell. Murderers. Drunkenness is a fruit of unrighteousness. It's proof that we're not led of his spirit. Reveling, which is rioting or participating in chaos or violence or corporate wickedness. And the such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why shall they not inherit the kingdom of God? Because these things are not the will of the Father. They are the bad fruit that are produced by the trees that Jesus said would be cut down and cast into the fire. They are the same trees that are on the wide road, the very many that will come to him on that day and say, Lord, Lord, we called your name and we had many gifts and we had many skills and talents and we did many wonderful works. Why are you not letting us into the kingdom? And Jesus will say, you still work in iniquity, lawlessness. You weren't in righteousness, right standing. You weren't doing what I said, what the word said. You are judged by the word because I left it for you to obey. Therefore, will only those who did the will of the father come in the few who walked the road to the narrow gate. My friend, lead men today to the narrow gate. We have got to be gatekeepers. We've got to be the ones that are opening the gate, but the right gate, the narrow gate, because on that day we will be held accountable for every word that we had to say, every idle word and everything that we did and every authority that we walked in and every gate that we opened. My friend, it's a serious matter. Stand in alignment and agreement with the word of God. No matter what it takes, no matter what it costs. Focus on producing the peaceable fruits of righteousness. And causing others to do the same. That men's souls might be saved. God, today we pray, examine our hearts. And open our eyes to see if there be any wicked way in me. But Lord, also lead us. That we not be deceived by the wolves in sheep's clothing. Show us, open our eyes, help us to recognize that we not be led to the wide road. And stand before those who open the wrong gates. Not over our lives, not over our homes, not over our churches, not over our territories, and not over our nation. We pray for a national awakening. God, that over this nation, you would open blinded eyes right now in the name of Jesus. And cause people to see the wolves in sheep's clothing. To see 
that they are on the wrong road to see that the fruits are not being produced that prove that they are men and women of the Lord. I pray for a breaking today of the spells of the enemy because there are many that are under witchcraft and sedition. Oh, church of Galatia, Paul said, who has bewitched you? The word says that when Philip went in to Samaria, that there was a man there, Simon, who had for a long time by sorcery bewitched the people and they thought that he was a great power of God. But when they heard the word, they examined the fruit and they saw the truth that they were being led astray by a wolf in sheep's clothing and that they would face judgment one day because that they were on the wrong road. The word of God is our sword. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to divide between the soul and the spirit. The soul is our mind, our will, and our emotion, what we think, what we want, what we feel. It's the only thing that can tell you if what is coming forth is truly of the Holy Spirit of the Lord or if it's just pleasing our flesh. The word of the Lord is the only judge and the fruit that is produced by the life is the only evidence. Lord, help us to learn to examine the fruit of our own lives and of those that we are following, that we not be deceived into following lies, but that we might walk faithfully on the narrow road among the few that follow you, believing the truth of what you had to say and find the gate of life that you might say on that fateful day, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in to your rest. You will be rewarded for your great faithfulness, which produced much fruitfulness. Because my friend, I ask you today, what is the fruit but the reproduction of the tree? It's that thing in which is held the next seed. If you have believed what Jesus had to say, it will produce good fruit in you that will then plant another seed of truth and reproduce the kingdom. But if you choose to receive the seed that was produced by those who did not believe the word, it tasted good even though it was sweet, even though it was pleasing to the eye like Adam and Eve did, it will plant a seed of deception in you that you will then reproduce and feed to someone else. You will plant it in them and it will continue the reproduction of it. My friend, we've got to choose today to close the wrong gate and to open the right one, to plant the seed of truth and to produce it in our life that it might reproduce in others unto eternal life. We've got to make a decision and a commitment that we will reproduce the truth, the good fruit, the very character of the spirit of the living God, and that it will be our priority and our focus, and that we will seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, his fruit, and then all the other things will be added unto us. Signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those that believe. Those that believe do not follow after signs, wonders, and miracles. If you are chasing manifestations, you will chase a wolf 
in sheep's clothing. And you will chase him down the wide path all the way to the wrong gate, the one that leads to destruction. I lay the truth before you today, not my sermon, but the one Jesus left for you. A warning, loving instruction. I pray that we will read it, believe it, receive it, and be changed by it. Lord, open the eyes of the blind that we may see how much we have been deceived, that we might cry out daily, God, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. And then second to that, Lord, help us to realize the damage that can be done when we allow ourselves to follow unholy ones, the unfruitful ones. God, we pray that today you put a stop to the reproduction of darkness, planting that seed of truth that we will go forth and reproduce the kingdom here now. And God, give us eyes to see what is internal and eternal and not just what is external and flashy. Show us the wolves in sheep's clothing that we not be deceived and raise up a people that are willing to get on the straight road and march faithfully and fruitfully through the right gate to life everlasting. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.